cardigan on. I want to go to the word of the Lord of Proverbs 4, 23, and then we're going to go to Psalms uh, 37 and 4. Today is a beautiful day in the Lord. I want to say hello to my mother online. Of course, she's been watching and she's waiting for her son to preach again. Thank you, Mom, for praying for me. Back in the saddle, thank the Lord. Everybody is good. Um, and, you know, I often say that there's nothing like trusting the Lord through a trial because it gives you triumph. Try is just, it's just doing your best. But if you put God into your try, it turns into triumph. It's just try with a little more oomph, okay? So we, we have been getting through it, and I'm thankful. This scripture is a powerful scripture that I'd ask you to memorize. Take this next week and memorize the scripture. The Lord has led me to this sacred desk. It's no longer a desk, of course, but to tell you, do not lose heart. Do not lose heart. That is the core of this message. Do not lose heart. For keep thy heart, scripture says, with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Out of it flows everything in your life. When your heart is damaged or when your heart is misaligned, I can speak to this very clearly just recently because of the, them having to get my rhythm back to my heart and it affecting everything in my body. When your heart is off, the rest of your life gets off. And so the wisdom writer says, guard your heart or keep your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. And then Psalms 37 and four, a companion text today, delight thyself also in the Lord and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Amen. Delight yourself first and desires he will give next. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. I ask you to bless all those in the hearing of your word. Lord, I pray that you keep them, that you anoint this word to go forward, to minister to a heart that needs it. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord today. Did you know that the heart is the most important thing in your life? And that the freedoms that God gives us needs a sentinel at the gate. That God has given us some beautiful things from his word and from experience of the Holy Ghost. But those freedoms have to be guarded we're finding that out even more and more with the shootings this week, and I will not go into that because you probably have had a minutia of different media give you all kinds of different points and faults and individuals that they have pointed out should have done this or should have done that in the shooting at the elementary school this last week. But I want you to know that the freedoms that we have, we cannot take for granted. And the things that God has given us, we must guard diligently in our life. Amen? And your heart is one of the most important things, for in your heart comes the wellspring of God's wisdom, experiences, and knowledge. It, it, it is the place where you have all these things culminated, and it, it 
that's where your passions, your passions for life, they lie there. Your heart is the matter of great concern in the spiritual life of man. And so it is your heart that matters most when it comes to walking with God. Know it or not, but it is very difficult to not fulfill the desires of your heart. When you desire things, you will tailor your life to get the things you want. In fact, it's very interesting that even with gas prices, they have said very few people have tailored their traveling this weekend for the Memorial Day weekend because they wanted to go. They wanted to be there. Even with the cost, they still were willing to pay and go this weekend because they wanted it. I can tell you this. you got to have a want to if you want to live for God. you got to have it in your heart to serve the Lord with gladness and to come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We need to understand the anchor point that God is the God of all things and we are so blessed to have the freedoms he gives us. But understand this, that you will go after the things you want and you will be in the places that you want to be. Regardless of the excuses anybody could ever give of why they weren't there or why they didn't or why they didn't, had not had withhold withheld love from you whatever those things are if their heart truly wants it they will have it amen you will get the things you want no matter what it is if you desire it bad enough you will find a way and so if that is the case in the human condition we better be very careful what our hearts desire we better guard the things our heart falls in love with I'm thankful for the freedoms of this nation. How about you? Amen. I'm thankful to sit in this church today and worship the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'm thankful for the greatest things. But among the greatest things in our life is the freedom of salvation. Amen. John 8 and 36, Jesus woke, makes a wonderful statement of victory. And he says, so... If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Free indeed. These are powerful, encouraging words that we see in the Scripture that Jesus says. And, and right away, I want to let you, let you know that you, you can have great freedom in Jesus Christ. And because you are free, you have everything you need. However... Have you ever taken time to consider what you are freed from? Amen. What is this truly speaking about? If you look at the Greek, you will discover that the word free can mean to liberate or to exempt from liability, that we literally have such a freedom of salvation that it means in this verse, you can literally read it, whom the Son liberates or accepts or exempts from liability, will be liberated and exempt from liability. In other words, whatever you had in the ledger is wiped out. Whatever you had for debt of sin is covered by the blood. Thank you, Jesus, for the definitions of freedom from your word, that we are exempt from liability, that we do not have to pay any debt back, but we are truly and completely liberated by Almighty God 
and set free. That is a freedom worth guarding, amen? And we have to post guards at those places where freedom is because this definition, when you consider this verse in its full context, there are only two conclusions. And I want you to consider that first, there are things Christ has freed us from. And secondly, there are things Christ has freed us to. In other words, we are freed from sin and the stain of debt, but we are also freed to guard those things and to ask God to do the same for others. Amen. We are free to step in to a guarding role to encourage the freedom of salvation in other people's lives. Amen. To set free those that are captive, to go and to reach for those that are bound and in chains and say in the name of Jesus, you can come out. In the name of Jesus, you can be set free. Take up your bed and walk. Take up your sickness and walk away from the things that have kept you bound. I bring freedom when I bring the name of Jesus. I'm encouraged to be a guard of freedom in this world, to be the church of the living God. Amen? You were born again to something so very beautiful, something so very earth-shattering, and it, it moves us and it changes us, and it makes us different people. You got a new master. Do you realize that? We're talking today in spirit life about money being a master and about God being a master, and Paul talks about it, sin being a master. We have to make sure that we understand what's mastering us, that it's not the desires of the heart that have led us away from God or things that we fell in love with that are not in line with God. But we have to make sure we guard our hearts or put a, a sentinel there to say, no, this, this, is, this is okay, but this is against the word of God. I want to walk with the Holy Spirit guiding me in every place of my life. Amen. God gave you a new nature. He put new desires in your heart. That scripture in Psalms does not mean that God's going to give you everything you desire, everything you want. I want this new car or that house or this or that or whatever. And just so you know, I'm a house owner. And, and my wife and I were just talking yesterday because we're putting some dirt and some sod down and some, you know, some mulch. And, and she was talking to another friend and told them, you know, house ownership can be boiled down to one thing. You spend your entire life trying to keep water out. <laughs> you, you clean the gutters. You, you make sure the roof doesn't leak. If you, if you buy a house, congratulations to the Keeping Water Out Club. That's what you've done. And so he's like, he was telling her that and she was laughing about it because really it's true. You have so many things you could desire that put more burden on your life and more responsibility. And it's a good thing to step into to greater levels. But I wonder if we could recognize that that scripture was not talking in Psalms about the things you want. Oh, I want a new phone or I want a new this. Or It's talking about that he would take out of your heart the carnal nature and desires and by the power of the Holy Ghost, he would put back in the desire desires that lead you to your best life, the desires that lead you to a holy life in him, that you literally won't desire sins anymore. You won't desire the things of the world anymore. You won't desire the, the stuff that everybody says you need to have to be satisfied because, brothers and sisters, it's not what it's advertised to be. It never satisfies. It never makes you happy all the time. It is not what they say it will be, but the desires that God puts in your heart, those things lead to truth 
satisfaction. Those things lead to a morning in a prayer chair where the sun is coming up and your Bible's open and God steps in the room and he ministers to you and you have communion with God in the cool of the day. I'm telling you, there's nothing like God putting the desires in your heart. Your nature's changed. You have been set free. And Paul says, he sums it up in 2 Corinthians 3 and 17. Now, the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Amen. There is freedom. Amen. And I want that kind of freedom. I want to guard it for my life, guard it for my kids, guard it in my home. I don't want things coming in my home that fight against the freedom of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Spirit will rise up a standard against it. But I'm going to guard against the things that come into my life that are against the peace of God in my life. Everything that moves against the Spirit, the Spirit of God in you, the power of the Holy Ghost, you may not even really know what it is, but the Spirit of God, if you're walking in the Spirit, will rise up and say, guard that. Guard that. Be careful there. Be careful what you say here. Be careful what you do there. And it's important that we know that everything that's found in freedom needs to be guarded. With this turmoil that's going on in our nation right now, we're seeing something very unique happen, and that is dads and uncles and retired veterans and former military personnel and even inactive military personnel are showing up at the doors of elementary schools with their weapon, with their concealed carry. They're showing up and they're guarding the door all day. They're standing there as guards because what's behind that door is a freedom of education. What's behind that door are children that are innocent and don't know how bad the world has gotten. But brothers and sisters, somebody does. And somebody has taken a post outside. You're going to start seeing it all over the internet. If you haven't already, you're going to see people posting pictures of guards standing at their elementary and the high schools and the different places because this culture has turned away from God far enough that we're getting so mentally broken that people are so lost in lack of hope that they're willing to do something so tragic as to go into a school and shoot innocent kids. I come to this pulpit today to tell somebody they shouldn't be the only ones guarding things that are valuable. They shouldn't be the only ones standing at the door to guard the freedoms of those that don't know how to guard for themselves. We need people in the house of God. We need men and women in the house of God that know how to stand up. Oh, I wish I could preach today that know how to stand up and stand for truth and say, no, not in my house. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We're going to do what God calls us to do because there's nothing behind those doors but what I love and they need to be protected. It's enough. It's enough. People have had enough in our culture and they're standing guard for the freedoms of others. And I wonder if maybe we shouldn't also do that in the church. I wonder if maybe they should see us standing guard in a prayer room. I wonder if they shouldn't see us standing guard studying our word. I wonder if they shouldn't see us standing guard teaching Bible studies, telling strangers on the street there's hope in Jesus Christ. King Solomon said it best. He said, above all else, guard your heart, for in it is the wellspring of life. One of the very scriptures we named this church after, Life Spring, 
Proverbs 4.23, our text. But this is necessary, not just a good thing, but it's necessary for you to have the right life spring in your life, the right source of wellspring. It's necessary for several reasons. Number one, because your heart is extremely valuable. It is the source of life in your body and in the church. You cannot lead if you lose heart. You cannot take people to Jesus if you lose heart in your own walk with Jesus. You cannot go any further. You will stop progressing if you lose heart and passion for the things of God. Hear me today. Do not lose heart because the world is wicked. Just turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. Amen, somebody. Stop seeking his hand and start seeking his face. Then you will see the glory of God revealed in your life. God will move in a very precious way for you. And because your heart is the source of everything you do, King Solomon said, it is the wellspring of life. Up bubbles everything from that. What's in your heart leads you to everything else. It's the words that you say, the things that you think, the love that you store for things. It's the source of everything in your life. Your heart overflows or wellsprings into thoughts and words and actions in your heart is either healthy or unhealthy. It impacts everything on every level of your life. It threatens your family. It threatens any friendships, ministries that you have, career, and indeed your legacy for Jesus Christ. Whether you live for him or you don't, all your days is depending upon what you put in your heart. That's why the scripture says, I will hide his word in my heart that I might not sin against God. Amen, somebody. It is often perplexing for myself and my wife to sit down and have conversations. I know I'm loud today. I don't apologize. I'm very, very passionate about this because when we have those conversations, we look back over our life and even in Bible college, people that went to Bible college with us are no longer serving the Lord. And we ask ourselves the questions, where did they fall away? Where, when did they stop loving the things of God? What drifted them out of the church? It wasn't just one day, brothers and sisters. It never is just one thing. It's never just a moment where people stand up and go, that's it, I've had enough. I'm leaving this and I'm never coming back to it. I'm never going to walk with God this way again. It's never like that. In al almost every case, few are not, but almost every case, people fall away from God unintentionally. Unintentionally. Life happens. Schedules and work and calamity happens and well, they're trying to repair and recover. They don't have time to be in church or 
while they're doing things, going about their life that just gets busy with kids and soccer and baseball. Nothing wrong with those things, but suddenly soccer and baseball ends up on Sunday morning, and now we're at the field and not at the house of God. And, and so slowly, it's not an intentional thing. You would never ask somebody, did you stop loving? Oh, I still love the Lord. I still walk with God in my own way. I still have time if I can get it with the Lord. And they'll tell you that, but the truth of the matter is most of our contemporaries from Bible college, very few of them are still living for God today. And I asked my wife a, a, a very, very difficult question at dinner the other night. I said, why do you think that is? I have my own ideas, and I have the Word of God tell me. But I asked her that question, and she began to just lay out, you know how my wife can do. She just began to lay out the Word of God. And I was like, can you, you mind if I just take notes? <laughs> She's like, I can't do this twice, so maybe record it. <laughs> it just comes out because the Holy Spirit starts talking. But because your heart can get under attack, and because you can put things in your heart that nudge out the things of God, you can only have so many things in your heart, brothers and sisters. You can only love certain things. And to love certain things means you cannot love other things. I know the world tells us you can love whatever you want. You can love anything and still love other things. But I can tell you this. You cannot serve God and money, the Bible says. So you cannot love money and love God fully. You cannot love sin and the things of this world and love God. You cannot love to have and have things that are not concrete. Now, I know people don't believe the Bible is still true. But I want to tell you, there is no place where there's any greater truth than the word of God. I believe that with all my heart. In fact, scientists are coming around to believe the word of God. In fact, NASA released just, I believe it was this week, that everything we knew about the universe is now changing. Literally, the fact that the universe from Big Bang on, their theory, not the word of God's theory, but their theory, Big Bang on, means that an explosion should, by natural laws of physics and everything else, an explosion should be most forceful, pushing out at the moment of explosion and gradually slow down its expansion. But they found out with the new telescopes that they've put in the universe to see past where we been able to see that the universe is not slowing down, but it's speeding up. Anybody want to figure out who might be in charge of that? When it works opposite, when we have moons on planets spinning the wrong direction, amen, when we have things going on that are completely opposite to physics and the laws of physics, I wonder if maybe it's not running on the word of God. Let there be, amen. There is a power and a truth in the word of God. Even scientists will tell you that it's not a, they're not able to take facts and initiate through facts actions that are proper. They all know that there is just too many facts, current facts, can even change once you have more time. We saw that through the pandemic. What was good here is no longer good there and is no longer good there. And all the people standing here that said that will never work are now validated because they see what didn't work before everybody else saw what didn't work. And they're just trying to help the entire populace not get overly sick. We understand that whatever current facts are, there is so many minutiae of facts. It's intentional 
untenable. It, you can't, it's untenable. You cannot compress all those facts and create good actions. You cannot move forward with too many facts. All you do is paralyze. But what happens with the Word of God is it's so purely the truth that it not only gives you action, but it also gives you health and life and a path unto your feet and a light unto your path. It is God's word. It is true. And even those that don't believe it are now understanding. Even if the word of God is not the truth, it is the example that helps us understand what is truth. Oh, they're on their way. They're coming. They're going to get there one day that the truth is not just the word, but the word made flesh that dwelt among us, John 1. And we know his name to be Jesus, amen. He is the word made flesh. He is truth and sandals, amen. And you will fall away from God over the distractions and the troubles and the trials of your life if you don't learn. If It's not that you learn truth. It's that you fall in love with truth, that you put it in your heart and you guard Jesus' relationship with you. They lost their way because they lost their personal relationship with Jesus Christ along the way. Members, members of any church will tell you, living for God is not the easiest path, but it is the most awesome path. It is the best place to be. It is the awesomest life you could ever live. Everybody say awesome. It's awesome to walk with God. It's awesome to have him heal your body when you weren't expecting it. It's awesome to have a, him turn around a financial situation when you didn't know how to turn it around yourself. It's awesome to see God bring your kids back to life in their love for God. It's awesome to watch your kids turn and quote the word of God to you when something goes wrong and you're like, the Bible quizzing works. <laughs> the word of God is still in there, amen? If you lose heart, you've lost everything. You will lose your relationship with God if he's not a pure relationship with you. You have to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We're only here together today because of your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Every one of us has a collective personal relationship with Jesus Christ, which allows the church to be the church, which allows the church to affect the world. So the world is not affected until we guard our own hearts. That is so good. Thank you, Pastor. Amen. God will give you the desires of your heart, and when you let him do that, you change the world one soul at a time. Delight yourself in the Lord. Be delighted that you're here today. Be delighted that you can worship the Lord together. Be delighted that you have life and hope and joy. Be delighted that you know how to pray when you don't feel that. Be delighted that you have someone to talk to when no one else is there to talk to. Be delighted that you're never alone. He'll never leave you and forsake you. Be delighted that there's good moments and bad moments, but even in all of them, he's working it for good. Amen. Be delighted that nothing is wasted, even your days of waiting. Be delighted that there's something in you that goes off every time you step into the presence of God that says, this is what I was made to do. I was made to worship. I was made to adore him. This is what I was made to do. Hallelujah. Be glad that there's spiritual instinct inside of you. Amen. I wonder why they locked the cage of a lion that was born in captivity. You know why? 
Because inside that line is the instinct to be out there. And whenever you're born of the Spirit and God removes that stony heart and puts in a heart of flesh, he removes that spirit, that those carnal desires and starts putting in spiritual desires, you won't be comfortable with any locked gate, brothers and sisters. You won't be comfortable with held, being held back anywhere in your life. There's something beating inside of you called the Holy Ghost that says you belong out there. You belong in the places of freedom. You belong in the places where God wants you to be. And until we learn to guard those things and guard that liberation, in the spirit, we will not see the greatest day in Jesus Christ. Beloved, although I was very eager, Jude wrote, so though I was very eager to write to you about the common salvation, I want to write to you about how great a salvation we all have. But while I was in the middle of that, the Lord directed me and I found myself, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. He said, well, I wanted to talk to you about the beauty of salvation. The Holy Ghost flipped the script and said, write to them a letter about guarding their freedoms, about contending for the things once delivered to the holy people of God. And I know this contend here means something a little bit different, like an athlete contending. But I'm telling you today that the Apostle of Jude was written to Jewish Christians living in Jerusalem, the holy city. And he was telling them, do not let down your guard. Contend. Don't let false doctrine in. And he explains it, the salvation we share. I wanted to share and be and excited about the salvation we share. But instead, I felt compelled to write and urge you urge you to contend. Jude is concerned, obviously, because the faith, the Christian message of the gospel was under attack even in his day. There had false teachers that come in. They had come into the church spreading dangerous heresies. It's still the same today. It happens everywhere. We have to know the truth enough to be able to rightly divide when a heresy walks in the door or when dangerous things come in that tear our relationship down with Jesus Christ. Amen. And Jude orders them, urges them, those readers of the word of God, to contend for the faith against those who seek to undermine and erode it. We cannot let our freedoms be taken, brothers and sisters. We must guard those freedoms. I'm thankful for every soldier. I'm thankful for every person that gave the greatest sacrifice so that I could have the freedom to preach this message today in a land where religious freedom still lives. But I want to tell you that we have to guard those things. We have to contend earnestly for them. That means work, brothers and sisters. It's usually described, I know I told you, as an athlete with physical competition, but it literally translates to fight strenuously for the defense of the faith. Guard the freedoms we have. Guard the freedoms we have. Jude wants all believers to contend earnestly. It's only one chapter and one book, but a true contender vigorously endeavors to win the competition and to take what is theirs and keep what is theirs, to fight or to struggle for the faith. 
<clears throat> Brothers and sisters, fight and struggle is not a powerful statement that you use on a Sunday morning to get everybody excited. You don't say, come on, let's go to Jesus, and now we're going to just have problems. Come on, people. Let's dance and shout about that. Welcome to the church of the first struggle. Nobody gets excited about that. But you have to understand, if nobody stands guard, we don't get liberation and liberty to do what we celebrate. We don't get to dance freely. Everybody hates a warrior until there's an enemy at the gate. Understand that? Sometimes we have to understand there are people in our midst who will kind of rub us wrong, but when the enemy comes to the door, they're the first ones to go after them. And even though those people are difficult personalities, I'm thankful they're in the church because the warrior needs to be in the church, amen? The guard needs to be in the church or there's no freedom. And I'm thankful for some of you walking with God and being those personalities because you have taken up vigorously endeavoring for the faith, and I thank you for that. Amen. 2 Corinthians 11, 3 and 4, I'm trying to wrap it down. Help me out, media team. 2 Corinthians 11, 4 says, But I fear less by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus. First Thessalonians 2.13 also admonishes us and teaches us that for this cause also thank we God without ceasing because when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it, was, but as it is in truth the word of God which effectually, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. In other words, he said, while I was preaching, you didn't take it as Pastor Calhoun's words. But when I was reading the word of God, you understood that's the word of God. And it has effective work in your belief. That there is dynamite in you today, and the word of God is the fuse. And I roll out the fuse, and your faith is the dynamite. And the minute you hear the word of God, you say, I believe that, something is set off in you. Something powerful goes off and does a work, not of destruction, but a work of effectual success. Amen? And Hebrews 1 and 2 tells us also that we have to be careful. Hath, these hath in these days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world. In other words, it is Jesus Christ, which is the saving truth. He is truth, and his teachings are enough. We do not need to go anywhere else. We do not need books of psychology. I'm not against getting in a, a, a degree in anything, but I'll tell you that you can go from the Word of God and get a degree and never come back. Amen, somebody? I just want you to know that you get your doctorate, you get your master's, but don't ever walk away from the core truths of the word of God because these have lasted the test of time, brothers and sisters. These are those that have stood up and guarded them over generations. And those that have guarded have blessed third and fourth and fifth generation because they've stood to guard the freedoms that God entrusted them. Amen. Would you stand with me today? Yes, I overstudied, but thank the Lord for all of this word. If you want the rest of this sermon, come see me. I'll text it to you.
There's a lot of scripture still here. Media team, I apologize for giving you like 20 more scriptures and not getting to them, but God is good. And so the basic false teachings in Jude, you can study out for yourself. But faith entrusted to the holy people of God is that which we must contend for and guard in Jesus Christ. He is the son. He is God almighty. Amen. He's the son of the living God in flesh. Amen. Matthew 16, 16. He is God with us. Matthew 1, 23. Anybody want to say amen there? He is the word and he is God made flesh. John 1, 1 through 18. He is something that can give you hope and joy. This faith is expressed through holy living, which all believers are called to do. Leviticus 27, 1 Peter 1, 16, and Romans 6, 1 through 14. We are called to live a holy life. There are some that were dealt with in Scripture that took grace to disgrace. And God dealt with them through the minister. And Paul even speaks about taking the liberties of God and using them to go towards sin. The liberties of God to do things that are sinful, but saying, well, I've got grace. That is not the life God wants us to live. He wants us to live a life where our desires are in line with the Word of God, where we guard our hearts, we guard the truth, and we guard the church. Go, go, go in just a little investigation. I was studying this week all through the Chronicles. Boy, it was a snoozer sometimes. <laughs> if you want to go to sleep quick at night, just flop open to numbers, read about five verses, and you're out. You're, you're dreaming of better things. It only takes a minute in Numbers or Chronicles. But it shows Joash being made king at seven years old and doing the right things and tearing down the groves and the high places where the idols were. He did all the right things. But slowly over his life, he fell away from God. And then another king comes in and Joash's son comes in. The Bible says he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but his heart was not with God. His heart was a big enough indicator to God that he forever put it in the word of God. That you can do the right things. You can have the grace of God in your life and still have your heart a long ways from God. And that is the danger that I've come to preach about. Have you let the guard down? Have you lost heart in the beautiful things of God? Because if you lose heart in truth, you will eventually find yourself living lies. So the answer is to delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Miracles won't keep you, brothers and sisters. They're supposed to follow them that believe but what your heart desires will keep you. Last story, sing in just a minute. We'll come to the altar. I'm going to close with this, I promise. You're standing, I know. Thank you for joining me standing all the way through the sermon. <laughs> My friend, I thought, what a powerful testimony he had. And I thought, man, what, a, what would it be like to have that testimony? He had a right heart, a right, I'm sorry, a right lung, 
<clears throat> but his left lung came out as just like a fist. There was no function to it. He had no real, it was a real small nodule that was in there. And he had a left lung, but even a right lung, and even the right lung wasn't fully developed, Sister Carla. And so he did not have the capacity to breathe as he needed. And he was a baby. He did not even know the problem. They found it on x-rays with the doctor. They brought him to the church, and they anointed that baby with oil and prayed the prayer of faith, and they went back to the doctor. And they realized he's breathing better. He's more active. And when they got to the doctors and they did the x-rays, they found that a left lung had fully developed. This is after birth. He was not growing into it. That lung should have been already developed. He developed a full lung bigger than the right one as a miracle. They have, they have x-rays before, prayer, and x-rays after, Brother Mike. This is a true miracle from God that happened at the house of God to give witness of God in his house, amen, as the scripture says. So this happened, and I love this guy. He was in our youth group. We raised, we, we, we thought, man, what an amazing testimony. But slowly, over time, he drifted. And I thought, what is it like to have miracles in your life, but yet not walk with God? It happens everywhere all the time and it's a cautionary tale to us brothers and sisters to keep our hearts in love with Jesus because you don't know you don't know what the day holds what the week the years the months we're living in a fallen world with disease and different things we don't know what kind of things will attack our body when I'm looking at a beautiful couple and their beautiful kids and they just found out he has advanced brain cancer, you don't know what's coming next. And the truth of the matter is we have a better place to go. We have a better place to be. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. Our treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. I'm thankful that I know that my relationship with God is leading me somewhere no matter what happens in this earth. And so if you don't guard your heart, the fallen things, the difficult things, the stories you hear, the people that are mistreated in life will begin to weigh on your heart. And you will say, well, then if that's what life is like, what's the use? I can tell you that you will know when it's the enemy, when the thought that comes next is what's the use. Because when the enemy steps into a room, the only thing that comes with him is damnation and hopelessness. But if God steps in the room, hope and joy comes with him. So wherever you feel hope and joy, get a hold of it with a death grip. Get a hold of the word of God. Get a hold of everything you can that goes against the hopelessness of this world. And live for it, love it, and walk in it. Amen, somebody. Lift your hands to the Lord today. And just receive that seed of the word sown in your life. Be responsible to till the soil right now. Make yourself available to what God is doing next. You can sing anytime. And we will worship the Lord together. But let's make sure we're not looking for something we shouldn't be looking for, but only falling in love and delighting ourselves in Jesus. 
In the name of Jesus, restore somebody today, God. Restore their heart. Restore their hope. If there's someone that has lost some things, Lord God, I pray you not only give it back, but you restore it even greater, just like the lung of that young boy. God, you not only gave him what he was missing, but you gave him back what was lost. The capacity of his lungs was greater. Jesus, I pray you do that for somebody here today. God, I want you to give them back what they've lost. I want you to give them back what's been missing, Lord Jesus. I pray over somebody that you would give them not only what they have left behind, but Lord, give them back a double portion, Lord Jesus. Take away what has been eaten down. Take away what has been restored. Be the restoration, God, that you are. Please renew somebody's joy in this house. I'm praying over you right now. Every head bowed. If you want to come to the altar and you want to take authority in the name of Jesus, you do that right now when the struggle comes. Lord God, let people remember that you are our delight, that you, Jesus, are our delight. As long as we have your name on our lips and the word in our heart, we can delight ourselves in you, Lord Jesus, and you will restore everything. Let us put our lives in you today and remind ourselves that hope is in you. Lord. Hope is in you, Lord. Hope is in you, Lord. Come on. Let us be restored today. Come on. Restore your influence in the kingdom of God. Restore and push back opposing forces to the freedoms in your life. Oppose and push back against a lack of hope or joy in your family. Come on, there's got to be a guard for freedom in this house. There's got to be someone that rise up and said, this is enough. I've had enough of this. I'm going to stand at the door and pray. I'm going to stand where no weapon is formed against me that can prosper. I'm going to take hope. I'm not going to be fearful anymore. I'm not going to do things just because I'm afraid. I'm going to stand in courage. I'm going to take a hold of truth and love it and live it in Jesus' name. I'm going to get back the lost years that have been eaten by the canker worm or by the palmer worm. I'm going to get back the, la the wasted years that, that fell away because there was no rain in, autumn, rain in autumn or spring. I'm going to get back what I have lost because God returns it to us. I hear you speaking out of Joel, Lord Jesus, that I will repay you for the years of the locusts have eaten, that he's going to give back. Lord, remove anything that needs to be removed in our hearts, Lord Jesus. Do a restoration work in this altar call right now, God. Lord Jesus, renew your joy in somebody. Expand influence in somebody's life, Lord God. Remove any shame from their life. There is no place for shame in Jesus Christ. Remove anything that needs to be taken out. I bind anything that has grown and expanded to the point of choking out the joy of the Lord in their life. Release us today in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.
take me as you find me all my fears and failures fill my life again I give my life to follow everything I believe in now I surrender I surrender Savior he can move the mountains my God is mighty to save he is mighty to save forever I'm praying in this place today Pray this prayer, God, draw my heart to you. God, draw my heart to you. Pray that prayer right now. Everybody, hands lifted, worshiping. Draw my heart to you. He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation.
Show. 